2: Valvano is now right here on ESPN 680 and 1057. Oh cool. Wanna to go to Brisbane? Sure.
1: Are we on the air? Yeah. Nice. We're talking about going to Brisbane because there's a an auction there. Uh It's really for more for women. We pick up something for Darlene. And And the money money goes to uh raise is raised for children with families who have children have cancer. It's um I forgot what it was called. But uh very nice. I wish they would do it online, but you have to go there. uh Oh, oh that's me. Yeah. What
0: was that?
1: That was uh I, I was trying to find the her name is Zoe Creed, just F- FYI. She's a model. I think i, I don't an influencer of some sort, but she's uh, got a good heart. So that's a nice thing. Because uh, it's, you know, it's what drives Dickie
0: V's Creed. Zoe bus.
1: Creed. Z-O-E. Zoe. It's, it, I mean, you're raising money for kids with cancer, that'll, that'll break your heart. Oh, yeah. Just break your heart. All right, anyway. Uh, here we go. Uh, Bob, let me ask you this. I know you're not pushing for this, but a question. Even if Louisville wins three, four more games, how on earth can you keep a coach that took this long to get it going? I don't think it's even the issue of how long it took to get it going. It's the issue of, holy God almighty, is there any way I can just do my freaking show? Seriously, what the hell is going on here? It's, I don't know. We're trying to fix it god almighty is this annoying is all get it i usually like to have a little laugh but why is it always my show when it comes in yeah. like you know what we had uh, drew was on this morning we did, did we no, did, we, this, did this. we fill the floor with rose petals here okay we got that done oh now these shows on, <laughs> <laughs> hey tommy run that wire <laughs> now we can get somebody on the phone who knows about it yeah no not a problem yeah there we go come on in boys yeah good what you, you want this thing Unbelievable. no
0: way we can get a live ostrich in here. What are we doing?
1: Unbelievable. No, Well,
0: I mean, all kidding aside, like, this wasn't happening during the dinner show. No, of course not. You're making it sound like we purposely did it. Like, we're testing things. Something broke, Mm -hmm. and we're trying to figure out why.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Why does it only seem... And I didn't... For anybody listening in the audience... It only seems we'll to happen go to the in your show. over this. I
0: didn't touch a thing. Okay, fine. But whatever the reason is, we're trying to figure out what it is.
1: Did, you, did Was there a chimpanzee on the board? I don't know. I mean, when hours, he, there's Tucker's back there. Who knows? Maybe that's it. Same, same, same. Tomato, tomato. Hey, AA you it. Um, uh, all right, some other good texts here. We'll try and get to some of them. But the, the answer to the question, as I said, is... You know, if, if you look... I don't care if it took... You know, again, they I'm, being, I'm exaggerating to make a point. Suppose they didn't win a game between when he took the job till now. Now, all of a sudden, from here to the end of the season, they run the table and they go in the ACC tournament. I don't, would you say, well, but how did the, all about those losses at the beginning? Yeah, but look where they are now. So I don't know. I can't say that, um, you know, uh, it's because it took so long. I think the question would just be, are you looking at it and saying, is it at a level that is – sufficiently improved from where it was, and can it maintain it going forward? And that was a great performance Saturday, very entertaining and very effective, and everybody, I hope, enjoyed it. I, they should enjoy it. But, but again, to your question, I don't know if it's a matter of winning three games, four games, five games, ten games. It's a matter of uh, what, what what your, your evaluation uh, criteria is going to be rather than just, uh, well, it took so long to get it going. I don't think that's necessarily um, – I mean the the history. Look at Scott Drew, who's done a fantastic job. Look at his first few years at Baylor, and then you'll say, "Yeah, but they had a murder in their program." I mean, there's always yeah buts. It's just you can't just say that's hard and fast a reason to go forward or not go forward. In my humble opinion, but uh, it's going to be it's going to be yeah, as one of the other texters said it. That's a great win, happy to beat Florida State, but it may be a case of too little too late, and maybe that's what it turns out to be. I don't know. If they can't maintain that, yeah, I, then you certainly have no reason to think, well, look, that's the level they're at now. And Florida State, now there's a guy who's taken a team that overachieved because they were picked way down in the league, and um, they don't have a lot of star power on that team, but he's done a good job, Leonard. He really has. And uh, But Louisville exposed them a little bit, no question. All right. Um, Tim Sullivan joining us now. Tim, I know you. You obviously have kind of weighed in that you think, for lack of a better words, it's a fait accompli here, and a lot of people feel that way. And it always makes me uncomfortable. The guy's still here working, and they're doing articles on, you know, here's the coaching list, here's who the candidates are. But uh, you know, it's it's worth re-examining every time something develops, and the re-examination is what. You know, would have to happen. Is there a scenario where you see where I mean, if they if they won out, and won the ACC tournament? Obviously, you'd be hard pressed to say, okay, but we're making a coaching change. But how much is it? Absolutely, just a totally done deal in your mind.
2: Well, I, I think it's mostly done. Uh, I don't know that a one-game winning streak uh, changes the dynamic dramatically. I mean, it gives you uh, something else to talk about, and uh, you know, I, it, if you can. String a few wins together, then then it, it's uh, worth discussing. But at this point, seven and fifteen doesn't move the needle for me. And uh, of course, it's not my decision. But uh, at, at this point, I'm uh, I'm pretty skeptical that uh, that anything can change. But I'm certainly uh, willing to be uh, persuaded uh, if the uh, the light has come on and the team is, is going to perform at a different level the rest of the way, then, you know, I think people in charge owe it to uh, uh, Kenny Payne and to the program to reevaluate it uh, at the end of the season. But, you know, for now, um, I've got to see a lot more of, uh, of what we saw Saturday to uh, uh to make that really uh, serious discussion.
1: How much do, I don't know what the word would be, uh, act, I want to say external, but things that are not just evaluating whether they're playing really well, they're defending well, or whatever it may be, how many other factors weigh in? For example, Drew shared this with me. I didn't see it, so I might not have the numbers exactly right, but a lot of people who have been in the arena know right, literally right across the street, is a place called the Troll Pub, and they're referred to in this article that, they regularly, for basketball, men's basketball game nights, were doing... I forget what the number was, either 8000 or $10,000. I can't remember, but either way. And now this year, they've only occasionally hit $3,000. How much of that weighs into it? Because Louisville could say, well, we're sorry, we got our own problems. Or how much of that is, well, these are our partners, these are our neighbors. Some of that translates into money for Louisville, obviously with sponsorships and the like. So how much do they weigh that in, and how much... Um, Do you think that's fixable, for lack of a better word?
2: Well, I think the the key, you know, from a financial standpoint, is attendance, and uh, you know the uh, the scan numbers have been pretty woeful uh, all year. I don't know that that's going to change. I think uh, the people who've decided it's not worth their time, even those who've uh, bought season tickets, uh, are unlikely to be swayed, but. Uh, I, I can't speak for them. I'm not a season ticket holder. I don't know what uh, uh, what they've invested and and uh, and, and how deep seated their their feelings are. But uh, you know the problems that the, uh, the surrounding businesses are having are uh, a reflection of the problems that Louisville is having, and uh, the money that is, is not being generated by a program that, as I've said multiple times on your show was not so long ago the most profitable in America so uh you know i think t- t- that's a-, a huge factor in going forward and in- what what decision is made and you know if Kenny Payne cannot uh bring people back into the fold and and show uh, a marked improvement in attendance between now and the end of the season You know, if they win a couple games, I'm not sure how much that's
1: going to matter. Talking to Tim Sullivan here, this would change topics a little bit because I want to get your comments on this. Those of you who have, and you covered him, you were writing at the time when Rick Pitino was here, know that. Rick is notorious for when they lose a game, which, uh, you know, when when teams he coached, that doesn't uh, happen all that frequently. But they lost to UConn over the weekend at the Garden, sold out Garden. Half the crowd was rooting for UConn. I know that did not sit well with Rick. They lost. When, it, when he loses those types of games, the press conference usually turns into kind of a free-flowing commentary on everything that goes well, well beyond the game. Sometimes it's uh, it's business, sometimes it's politics, sometimes it's education. In this case, it's the NCAA, and he came out with a tirade, if you will, about the NCAA. It's, it's a sad time in college basketball right now, and... Uh, um, you know, it's uh, the NCA enforcement staff is a joke. He goes out of his way as he does. It's kind of how he used to work when he was here to then to give a quick disclaimer that, you know, it's nothing, I have nothing against them. I, I don't, it's not because I dislike them, but they're of no value anymore. Because just now, for example, uh, they'll take them to court. Virginia will take them to court. Tennessee will take them to court talking about what's going on with the transfer portal and the rules about that. Uh, you know, very often when he goes on these little tirades, you go, "Well, he's just, you know, he's having his, he's venting because he lost." But he very often makes sense, and uh, I just wondered if what he's alluded to here is the, is the, um, for lack of a better word, uh, that he's he's shining the spotlight on the straw that ultimately does break the camel's back. He said they should just be disbanded, the NCAA enforcement staff, which by extension makes you wonder if he's suggesting the NCAA be disbanded. But if they keep losing in court, is that going to be the thing that serves as the catalyst that says, well, look, I don't really want to do this, but we're going to have to completely start from scratch, scrub it, and then you know come up with a whole new administrative system? Is that, uh, you know, by saying it should be disbanded, okay, but then you've got to come up with an alternative how, how much merit do you think there is in his little diatribe there?
2: Well, I think it's overstated, but you know, I think the, the crux of the matter is that uh, the NCAA has been unable to come to grips with NIL and the transfer portal, and they uh, have a, a losing position, uh, or have had a losing position in court, because uh, trying to restrict the rights Uh, of athletes when you uh, uh, do not have the legal protection that that baseball has for example um, you know the antitrust exemption uh, is pretty perilous and you know you have to tread very carefully they've been unable to get any traction in congress to, to try to get uniform rules across the the country, and they have thus far been unwilling to negotiate uh, a uh, collective bargaining agreement with with the athletes. So, uh, you know, I think all of these things uh, contribute to the uh, impotence of the uh, enforcement staff. But you know, there are still rules that need to be enforced. Uh, NIL and the transfer portal are probably not something that the the ncaa is is positioned to uh police at this point but uh you know there are certainly other things that uh, that come into their purview that uh, that they would have the ability to uh, to rule on and to uh, uh to you know, impose penalties uh you know, we've talked about this before i i don't i don't really see how you uh square the law of the land with uh, NCAA rules when it comes to uh, whether athletes can uh, be rewarded financially. Uh, you, you may prefer to do it a certain way, but the courts have consistently ruled against you. So you know, at some point you have to recognize that reality and, and adjust. And thus far, they haven't.
1: It's – you know, he said this elsewhere in the column, and this is what it comes – doesn't it come down to this, though, when push comes to shove? And kind of what you're alluding to. The NCAA – and they can say they can't get their hands around it. They can't get their heads around it. But, you know, Patino's comment was – you know, they're professional. That's what they are right now. I mean, but, you know, it, it, we get we get caught up in semantics a little bit. Like, if you go to college and you're a music major and you go on weekends and you're playing gigs somewhere and they're giving you money for it, I don't think anybody says you're a professional musician, but we, you're getting paid. That's just it's just that straightforward. There's no rigmarole around it. You go play and they pay you for playing. So call it whatever you want to. They seem so hung up on not to allow the players— to be getting money for playing. I don't know whether that's – I think I do know why. It's because if you go play in the uh, you know, Tim Sullivan Trio and you leave campus, you're not playing as a representative of the University of Louisville or wherever you go to school. You're just playing it as an independent you know, contractor. If you play for the school, you play for Louisville's team or University of Kentucky or whatever it may be, you now they have some legal ramifications, right? I mean, there may be workman's compensation. They may be responsible for I don't know putting money away for retirement. I don't know a whole bunch of things that they don't have to worry about if you just go play a gig on the weekend. Is that the core of this all of this problem? Do you think?
2: I, I think this goes back to uh, the you know, the seeds of the amateur movement, which you know historically uh, I think traced to the english aristocracy being unwilling to compete with sweaty laborers uh you know that's what chariots of fire was all about mm. uh, you know and uh, you know the idea that, that that athletes should not be paid and, and should do this for the love of the sport etc you know is is kind of an elitist attitude you know I, people need to to make a living and uh there is a certain market for the services of uh, college athletes in this country. There's no other country, to my knowledge, that has uh, anywhere close to the kind of uh, structure and uh, financial uh, power of college athletics in America. Uh, it's it's unique, and uh, it has been uh, something that has been... Uh, Contested for decades, and it, uh, as the courts have ruled uh, progressively uh, in favor of athletes, uh, and the NCAA has tried to, to, you know, roll back gradually, kind of like the you know the scorched earth approach that the Russians took with the Nazis. Uh, you know, give them a little ground, but you know, eventually they're going to exhaust themselves. Well, they haven't exhausted themselves, and they keep gaining more and more leverage so uh you know there are enormous investments in facilities in infrastructure in coaching salaries uh you know throughout college athletics primarily division one and you know they are at risk until uh, somebody comes up with a system that is palatable to all not some has to figure out a way to uh, cut up the pie in such a way that you know, the athletes are uh, satisfied and uh, can uh, uh, aspire to uh, to exploit their abilities to uh, maximum potential and uh, you know it, it, it's a sea change for college athletics but I don't I don't see how you get around it uh, unless you get uh, the Supreme Court to say, you know, that amateurism or you know what we uh, have adjusted amateurism to be in this country is uh, is bulletproof. Um, or Congress you know, changes the law, uh, this is what we're stuck with. But you know I just don't see politicians in America deciding that the, that coaches can make ten million dollars a year. And, and athletes should not get anything. And, uh, and as long as that's the case, uh, I think you're going to have this uh, this tension and this uh, friction.
1: Let's uh, wrap it up by talking about something that will be a, is a big story here, but you know gets just a blip on the, the radar elsewhere because of what horse racing means to us. You wrote the piece; people can find it in Leo. Um, time for peace between Bob Baffin and Churchill Downs. Uh, I'm quoting you directly from your writing. Bob Baffert has done his time and then some. Skip down, it says. As unconditional surrenders go, Baffert's was about as graceful, albeit equally overdue, as was Robert E. Lee's. Yet rather than reciprocate, as Grant did at Appomattox, allowing Lee to keep his sword and providing rations for his army... Churchill responded to the proffered olive branch by issuing a statement saying Baffert's ban is still in place. His horses will be ineligible for Derby 150 unless they're sent to other stables by January 29th. Why are they being such hard-asses, do you think?
2: Well, I, I think to some extent this is because Baffert has never acknowledged that he broke the rules. And, uh, you know, he's clung to this... Uh, Idea that his lawyers have propagated that uh, you know, because uh, Medina Spirit was treated with an ointment that contained betamethasone, that that's not a violation. Well, that's not the way the KHRC rules read. It doesn't matter how the substance got into the horse. The question is whether it was in the horse uh, in the post race. Uh, Sample, uh, so you know they've uh, tried to create an argument that uh, that may you know appeal to some people, but you know, is, is does not address the the rule as it stands. And you know he's gone on a fairly uh, aggressive campaign, uh, you know, at various times to insist on his innocence when you know he was not innocent, and this was not his first violation was not his first violation at Churchill Downs. He had a, a Kentucky Oaks uh, horse uh, Gamine that uh, had that tested positive for beta-methasone only the year before Medina Spirit. So uh, I, I think they're exasperated with him. I think they feel as if you know, he has perpetuated a controversy that should have been uh, very short-lived. He should have just said, look, you know, I, I take responsibility. I'll serve my time, and you know, when uh, when the time is right, I, I hope to be back at Churchill Downs in, in the Derby. Uh, he hasn't done that, and you know they've they've drawn a very hard line. And uh, as I understand it, at this point, there's no guarantee he'll be back next year. Mm. Uh, you know, so uh, I think it's uh, to a large extent incumbent on Baffert to to swallow his pride and and fall on his sword. And, uh, you know, I would think the the likelihood is that that he will be back at the Derby in 2025, that uh, that the administration does not want him uh, spoiling the uh, the celebration and and all of the uh, changes that have been made uh, at, at Churchill Downs for Derby 150. But you know, there's no—it's no sure thing at this point. And you know, uh, my efforts to uh, grill uh, CEO Bill Carstanchet on this have been uh, fruitless thus far. He's uh, not been willing to uh, to do an interview. So uh, all we can do is judge them by their public statements, and uh, their public statements have not been uh, very accommodating for uh, for Bob Baffert
1: interesting that the horses, these the owners, I, I think they all said they're standing by him, right? They, they had to go to other stables by the 29th of January and they didn't do it. So now they're they're sitting his baby out and you only get one crack at it, as you correctly pointed out. And you're only three years old once. That's pretty of all the derbies to skip the 150th derby. Um, I, I was, I don't know, impressed with by their loyalty or baffled to some degree because technically Baffert works for them. I mean, you could certainly just say, hey, I am I'm sorry, Bob, but I'm running it. It's 150 Derby, so we're going somewhere else. I don't think they would have had a hard time finding another trainer for this year. And then, as you said, re- revisit it next year. But they're all staying with them, so they're going to have to watch from the sidelines, right?
2: Yeah, uh, that's a really interesting uh, dynamic. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, the in the big picture of you know, owning horses, the, the real value. The ultimate value is stallion uh, thieves and uh, you know uh, you can get there without winning the derby um, you know, and uh, uh, into mischief who's been you know just a sensational uh, stud for years and years uh, you know was not a, a derby winner and uh, there have been you know a lot of others uncle moe and Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, the list goes on, and, and this is certainly not my area of expertise. But uh, you know, the, the value of winning the Derby uh, financially—they've they, raised the purse. Uh, first place gets three million dollars now, but that's that's a pittance compared to what you can make with stud fees. And uh, I think that, uh, to some extent, there's a, there's loyalty to Baffert and, and knowing how much money you know he's made for his owners over the years. Uh, by, you know, making them very attractive uh, stallions, mm. um, you know, but, you know, I think the uh, the other thing is that, uh, you know, if you look at recent history and the horses that he's transferred before the Derby, they have not performed, and, uh, mm. you know, it, it may be that, uh, that you know, the, the change of... of uh, Trainers at a, at a late date uh, you know, sets up a horse to fail and, and perhaps devalues that horse. So uh, it's a complicated uh, equation, but you know I, I think uh, you know the bottom line. Some of these owners and I can't speak for them, but uh, I would I would guess that, that they're thinking, well, we're going to make this money back, you know, in the Preakness and the Belmont and maybe the Breeders' Cup. Uh, And, uh, you know, our horse will be, you know, trained by probably the most successful, certainly the most successful, maybe the greatest trainer uh, of our time. Uh, And, uh, you know, we're better off sticking with him than trying our luck with somebody else. But, you know, that's, they have not uh, articulated that uh, in any great detail, but that's, you know, that would be my read.
1: As always, we appreciate you can read it. By the way, if you go to the Leo, go to their website, and you can find out what uh, Tim has to say about uh, what's going on there. But there's going to be some good horses that are not going to be at the Derby this year. It's just that simple, and and that's not good for anybody. But we'll see what plays out for Baffert going forward. Uh, Hey, it's always good to catch up with you, my friend. Take care of yourself. Stay well. We'll talk down the road. Thanks, Bob. All right. First, Tim Sullivan, that's the right button there, and uh, we say goodbye to him. We uh, also are going to have a menage, a montage for a busy weekend. and That'll be coming up after the short time out here. Um, and, I mean, it it's really is an awkward kind of thing, although I, I can understand both sides. and I, I like Bob a lot, by the way, in the interest of fairness. I met him back before people really knew who he was because he we were – it's a long story. We were in a restaurant. It was the first derby he came to. He wasn't particularly well-known yet. And, um, it's one of those weird things. Like, I had a weird dream last night. I'm in a restaurant with a recruit. And... Um, uh, um uh, Leslie Visser walks in and she's got this guy who looks like Bobby Cremins with her and he sits down with us and it turns out this guy's a horse trainer. Uh, I mean, that's exactly what it was. <laughs> I was at a recruit had, having dinner with a recruit and Leslie Visser walks in and we've known her from the V Foundation. You're sniffing in the microphone again. Yes. And she brought Baffert over to the table and sat down and, um, and we had a nice visit and we'd stayed in touch ever since. He's been very kind to me and so I really like the guy. But I also understand Churchill Downs a little bit. This is by far and away their most sacrosanct property the Kentucky Derby and I don't think they particularly like people um, feeling like they're bigger than the race which is they, they think that, that you know there was something illegal going on and then him to try and just ridicule their process well their process is what brings merit to the race so if you're going to discredit the process you turn into WWE and I think they're sensitive about that but and now they're saying alright now you come to the party it's like when Pete Rose finally said oh, yeah I did bet on baseball like way after the fact and people said oh, you did it just to sell your book you know, that was not really all that moving. Uh, it's kind of the same deal here. But he's good for the sport, and they—they they, he is. And they I think I mean, if you don't like horse racing, there's nothing he's doing that's going to make you like it. But if you're a fan, he's, he's a personality. It's hard for the horses to be personalities. So he's good for the sport. But uh, I understand their point of view also. So um, I do hope he gets to come back at some point, though. And and uh, as as Tim suggested, I would like to know why they're being kind of such hard asses about it. Other than they're probably saying, "You know how much money you cost us trying to defend us." Now you come out and say, "As I can," you know that's uh, that's a, a tough task. We're excited because the last thirty minutes we haven't been interrupted by you know, animals bleeding or, or music going on the radio or guys crawling under the table unplugging things. And stuff. How much? How much with horse racing? God damn. Um, how much
0: with horse racing is it one of those things where how much does horse racing need Bob Baffert I mean he's the face of the sport really I mean even like average Joe fans recognize the sunglasses and silver hair Right. and how much did he actively harm the sport with these doping allegations because the sport had two major things going against it the breakdowns which were a major issue at places like Santa Anita and Churchill Downs Churchill Downs I think did the right thing, shutting down. I think they they handled that PR nightmare as well as you could. Um, But they also had the doping allegations going on. People don't like doping allegations. No, they, no. They, like people, people, people say that they don't care, really. Like, but by and large, oh, no, there's can't. a there's a quiet majority. No, no,
1: they care because they they feel you're like you're playing free and easy with these animals, these defenseless animals. Which no matter and that, how big they that that
0: plays into oh, the breakdown type yeah, thing. No,
1: that's what they're talking about. I think that's the single thing that resonates. There's three camps, and you can decide what percentage is each camp. There's the camp that loves horse racing, and by and large, can do no wrong. I, and then there's the camp that they hate horse racing, and I don't care what you hear. These animals, they don't they don't want them to be. They feel like they're running against their will. They they feel like they are not. You know, they they have no use for it, even in the even in its most uh, benign state. No, you can't use the whip, whatever. None of that. And and then there's the group in the middle that is like you said. They go back and forth to some degree, and there are certain things in there that. I don't think they get all up in arms about the horses running, because horses, by nature, want to run. They like to run. They're, they're bred to run. They do run. Right. So I don't think they buy into that, like they're running against their will. But I also do think that you know they, they are uh, uh, don't like the thought that these drugs can harm them, and that evidently there's some... Evidence that that's they're playing free and easy with the horse's right. health. So there's people weighing, and this there. isn't like a torn ACL. Then these horses break down. And then there's another group that's over here. Frankly, they they are concerned about that stuff, but they're concerned about the betting part of it, and they're wondering, well, what the hell is this? How am I betting against the horse that you know has got supercharged uh, performance because of drugs that he's doing, and my horse is not doing, and that doesn't seem fair, and I don't think that's a good way to do it. And so I mean, let, let, you know, look at look what performance enhancing drugs did. Took Lance Armstrong. From an international icon to, I don't mean, know, he's a pariah. He's, yeah, I mean, no, he's just he's disgraced. And do uh, we? Do you think the
0: the prevalence now of sports betting has kind of? I mean, because we, we've talked about it. One of the th- reasons that the that the NFL grew to its popularity uh, as being the king of everything was the ability to bet on it. Right. Now that sports gambling is becoming more much, more, much mainstream. more mainstream, sure. I feel like now people like Joe Everyman. It's almost like a like a gateway drug.
1: All of a sudden, he's throwing a couple shekels on on baseball. Now he's betting on the ponies. I understand what you're saying. It's a good question. I just don't think it's that big a deal. And here's why: because the guy who was betting enough that it was really making a difference in his life, right? He was betting already. Oh he, yeah, he you know, didn't. He, he, did, he, he had the, the offshore the, account he didn't and everything. Need, yeah, or he had a bookie in town. The guy who's betting, you know, dropping ten dollars on Scotty Scheffler to win the Pebble at Pebble Beach. I mean, if I lost or that guy lost, because it turns out somebody was... was well, you we don't have to say allegedly anymore in this state. Yeah, no, I know, yeah. but, but was, was, was doing something illegal. Then you might be a little upset, but um, no. I, just, I don't think that's what drives the bus, uh, and because it's now legal. I think the, the, the people who would be vocal would be the ones that were betting anyway. They were just betting with illegal bookmakers or offshore accounts or whatever it may have been, so I'm not sure it made that much of a difference. But um, I do think that... Um, It's a sport that is is on the fringe to begin with. And I do think that they were – Churchill Downs – and I'm not thinking, I know, they were talking about – they were very concerned about the ongoing – um, um, people decrying drug use in their sport—they were. I mean, that's they, they, st- stupid. I mean, it's not just—it's not purely an altruistic concern. Like, gosh, we're worried about the horses. It, although there was certainly an element of that, it was a business thing. Hey, you're, you're ruining our business model. There are people that are going to be turned off to our product right. because of this. And so I think he he belabored it. I mean, we all understand to some degree. There's always been baseball, you know, the, the attendance is at an all-time high. People are going to baseball games. Whatever it was tainted by the uh, um, steroid thing, has kind of gone away. Does it still go on occasion? Sure. Every once I pick up the newspaper, you see this guy's got a 50 years. So, I mean, so they would have argued, all right, we're not – professing that everybody in this is a choir boy but you know we caught it we brought we, we 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 punished it and now life should go on but he wouldn't let it go on he just kept dragging it on and saw suing and he was victimized and and so i think they were mad about that because it was hurting their business and i understand that it's also interesting how it is amazing these are two texts back to back Mm -hmm. Don't read too much into the politics of it other than to understand how the same situation can be interpreted so differently by people. This first text says um, Churchill is saying, kneel down before us. Has he been convicted in a court of law? Otherwise, he's already been punished. He doesn't need to admit spit. All right, that's the first guy. Second guy says, Baffert reminds me of Trump. He won't go away, and all he talks about is being cheated. (laughs) Back to back. Wow. One after the other. So, I mean, that's exactly how people look at situations like this. They extrapolate things from their own life, from society, and it makes it even more complicated. It's not an easy... um, Listen, I mean, you catch a guy robbing from an old lady, most people are going to say... That guy's wrong. It should be arrested. Somebody murdering somebody, but the 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 uh, gray area stuff, which continues to get bigger and not for the better. I don't think it's um, not that I, the whole world should be in black and white. But there are some things that are just difficult to rationalize in my mind as a yeah, but. Nothing good comes from yebuts, yeah, uh, but still, having said that, there are some like this. That is, there's a lot of layers to it. the business part of it, the ethical part of it, the the fans part of it, all of that, and that's what you're seeing here. Do we have something going on?
0: Menage. We gotta do a menage and montage. Okay, we well, see,
1: yeah, like, because usually, we gotta take a break. Usually, I know, but usually when he says that it means there's a there's a guest waiting. No. No, he just No, he's just
0: being a pain in the ass.
1: No, he's, well, he's doing his job. He's trying to keep you on schedule. All right, Tonga, thank you. Uh we'll do a, we'll do a uh, menage when we come back. ESPN six eighty one oh five seven.
0: Taking care of your family isn't always easy, so we make sure getting care when you need it is
2: Part of the show, text Bobby V on the UPS Jobs text line at
0: No, I spent, which means I'm never going to win again.
1: Which
0: is okay. Maybe you know.
1: We're talking about sports betting, which is still fun, and I'm like you. I'm, I'm, you know. One thing I will give my, my credit to my boy Locke for, he he used to he was you were impossible to budge him. You could make fun of him. You could mock him. You could do whatever you wanted. He was betting $5 on his game, and that's all he wanted. And he knew because if he lost, it wasn't going to make a difference. And if he won, he just had some skin in the game. But that's as much as anything. We just want to be right. It's so exciting about being right. So I'm going to give you a, another. Uh, I've won a, f- a few of these on the program, so I hope you've— been able to partake or I, actually I don't really even care that much in the sense that I I'm just glad to have gotten it right but these uh, spontaneous money line parlays Monday's usually a pretty good night we'll see if there's a, uh, some games that we can pick here there's no Ivies for me tonight so it's going to be tough <laughs> yes, I was. thank God that one guy did talk to me I won that parlay that night because I didn't bet the Princeton-Yale game he said the Ivy's the home oh, team yeah. is winning. Yale was home. I had they're I, pretty I, good, and I said I still like Princeton, but all right, but I got away from it. And print, and Yale won by three, I think, and I avoided that, so we had a good. I told a good you win that night. So I told you I, I took
0: every game that yeah. wasn't in your spontaneous parlay. What do you mean every game? There was more of the games than that that night. I took I I, I had like a nine leg parlay, and well, I that isn't all the games. No. Oh, for Friday it is. For Friday, yeah. Okay, all right. I took a nine-leg parlay, eight or nine-leg parlay. And? And I hit all of them except that effing Princeton game.
1: You bet, Princeton? Yeah. Sorry. Well, here's the one I've won. Again, you know, I'm learning to just play a little safer now. This was the one I won over the weekend. I took Marshall. They beat Coastal Carolina by 17. I took NC State, who beat Georgia Tech by 6. And I took Pitt, who beat Notre Dame by 10. So that it paid just about close to even money, a little under even money, which is not a lot, but it's better than losing at better odds. So this is the one that they, they that I lost because of – well, actually, it wasn't the Harvard game. This was um, – I guess this was Saturday, also, wasn't it? Did I do two Saturday? Oh no, this was uh, whatever it was the day before. This must have been uh, Friday, I guess. Cornell won, Harvard won, Dayton won, and they were all close games. So I'm pretty proud of these. Cornell won on the road by three. Harvard won at home by three. Dayton won at home by five. And then Creighton lost to Butler by one, one ninety nine ninety eight. Yeah, and that would have been a decent payout. Yeah, that one. so that one I that had was, that too. That one hurt. Uh, and then the one I gave you guys on the air, UMass Lowell, SMU, Towson, James Madison, Sacred Heart, Bryant, and Arizona all won. And then freaking Marshall lost to Old Dominion at home by seven. Didn't see that coming. And that was the biggest odd to the bunch. So we'll have some fun. We'll try again later. See if we can get a. When we had a two, had a, a nice little two player a player prop bet also on uh, Jokic and uh, Durant. So that was a nice little winner there. So that was fun. and uh, Although I will tell you the truth. For those of you who know how much I've been a big Cody Brown bets fan, one of the reasons I like him is he doesn't run and hide under the bed. He has had, by his own admission, the coldest streak like since he's been doing this. And as a guy who follows him pretty regularly, he ain't lying. Um, he has really, really struggled. He said, uh, let me see. He's trying to figure out why, because he said, This has been, I've been ice cold. He, no hiding, he said. This is the worst run I've had since sports betting became legal. I know it'll turn, but putting so much time into my picks and falling short for all of you really sucks. I'll keep grinding. Super Bowl week, let's get it right. So let's we'll see if he has anything going forward. But he has really, he has really struggled. I think the NBA is hard to get my head around because they're scoring so many points. Yeah. It's just, it's messing with my. You know, you look at numbers, you go, that can't possibly be right.
0: Yeah, know. you see the over, and it's just like, is this an all-star game? Yeah, really, then, exactly. Yeah.
1: yeah, so that's tough. All right, let's see. Well, start. I got
0: a guy. I'm oh. telling you. Who's that? I'm telling you. Follow, I'm not giving up on Cody.
1: No, I well, no, you got. got to listen. It's like anything It's not easy. No, that's gotta, why they call I look at, gambling at him. There's about three other guys I've been following also. I'm telling you you got to work this guy. Which in, guy?
0: The, the at Joey's Bets. Yeah, I
1: did. I put him in when you, you got, told me the yeah, other day. He's
0: he's he completed a uh what a six leg 50 to $1000 ladder over the weekend nice. and he's got another one and it's at step 3 already.
1: Wow.
0: And tonight's ladder challenge bet 3. North Carolina Central to win, eighty nine percent probability. Good lord! Uh, New Orleans Pelicans to win, eighty three point seven percent probability. And your boy, the fighting Will Wade's of McNeese
1: to win. <laughs> it breaks. It pains me to bet on them because I dislike him so much. Ninety six point four percent. It's not even paying even money though. But, you know, that, listen, you do I'm learning. Those
0: 3, 126 pays 195. Yeah.
1: So, but that's the way you do it, though. I I'm, I'm realized I was too hell bent on making mine be positive ones, and then I would be screwed by one of the parlay. So, that's a smart way to do it. So, um, let's see. Maybe we'll give that one a go. Yeah, it looks good. All right. Here's the Menager montage from the weekend as, um, We'll uh, recap. Uh, It's a very busy time. Golf's getting underway now in full bore. Uh, The NFL now is winding down to its Super Bowl, but they had a fun event. I really love what they've done with Pro Bowl weekend. College basketball really rocking. The NBA not only getting to the All-Star game, but getting to trade deadline. Uh, The NHL had their All-Star weekend. Uh, What am I forgetting? There had to be some other stuff going on. Pro Bowl. I I um, said the Pro Bowl. PGA. Oh, the women's basketball, of course. Live. Uh, Yeah, I said golf getting underway. Try and listen. Well, uh, No, no,
0: but you didn't go into details. You had the PGA and the Live over the weekend. Drew said he enjoyed the Live event, uh, you know, with the uh, PGA getting rained out. No, it's the— He said the Live was kind of cool, and they they decided to finish it, even though they
1: were kind of in the dark. uh, Live is—you know what Live is? Live is the only place left where you can have a scenario like— when the ABA started or the AFL started. Because the other sports are too rich now. There's nobody who's going to start up and compete with them. But the Saudi tour just stepped up, and they've made it viable. And so now, go look at the history of those leagues. It's the same scenario. They start. Everybody mocks them. The the NFL called the AFL the Mickey Mouse League. The ABA, what do they do with that red, white, and blue ball? It's a bunch of gimmicks. And then they managed to hold it together, sometimes in really traumatic times. And then a couple of good players decide, I'm going to give it a go. And then they go over, and then they get some credibility. And then people like Drew watch it and say, you know what? Not so bad. And then before you know it, they've got, uh, they've got a real product on their hands. And now, you know, even the PGA Tour, after hanging a couple of their players out to dry, who <laughs> went and fought for them, said, yeah, we'll merge with you. So now they've got that going. So, yeah, it's, it's uh, about the only place you can see that happening nowadays. All right, for the third time, here we go. The Menager Montage. Johnson, follows a dribble, bounce pass down to Huntley.
0: Ziegler, top of the key. Fires it right side. James, three-pointer is good! Oh, money! Who are we just talking about? Big Joe! With the two losses at home, back-to-back, how do you rally the guys and get their confidence up? if you think they need it?
1: Well, it's... You know, first of all, I told them after that team played really well and you fought and had your chances. Some of the breakdowns we can talk about and get better. Um, but I told them, our Every goal we have is still out in front of us. We're fine if we come together and understand that said Justin played well, did some good stuff. Robert did well. Robert kept us in the game. I mean, in the first half, we were down four
2: because Robert made basket after basket. By Ottinger, up and down they go, two on one. for Calibre-
1: Just bounce. Jim Montgomery celebrates a two-goal lead. He's trying to be the winning coach at the All-Star game for the second year in a row.
0: The guys showed up today for sure. Uh, might be slight bias with it being in, uh, in Toronto here, but we had some guys play unbelievable today. and um, Goalies came up big and just a lot of fun.
1: The atmosphere uh, in here was great and uh, nice to get the, the W in front of the fans. Donovan Mitchell comes around Allen. Mitchell, word of the lane, will shoot over Wemby and hit. It's Donovan time. it's closing time. Ray has it with 24 seconds to go. Gets it in the middle. Jalen Johnson. Jalen drives, puts it up, and in, and he got fouled on the play. And good night, Golden State. They left their heart
0: in San Francisco. Obviously, it's uh a few years away, and, and uh, you know, Canada's got uh, amazing talent, and just to be, just to have the opportunity to uh,
1: um, make a team and hopefully play on the Olympics, hopefully play for, for your country um, at the Olympics at the highest level in yeah. sport, um, it's a dream come true. My locker was
0: next to C.D. Lamb, and he came cap, and that's not something that everybody gets to say happens to them, and... Uh, everything it has been such a blessing. Like Baker Mayfield throwing me passes, Geno Smith, all Jalen Hurts. So to get to play football with all these other guys in a, in a different environment is such a blessing. I had so much fun, and I hope I wasn't bothering them too much. Donaldson, left wing Jalen to KD,
1: seven to shoot. KD with five into the corner. Chad Baker-Mazar with three. Baker-Mazar to the hole. Oh, left my gosh. Left He put it in. What a dump! And here comes Sellers
0: looking inside great consistent no call on the plate as Brianna Alexander had her shit blocked her shot blocked excuse me
1: oh Gus Johnson oh Gus Johnson oh. oh he said a bad
0: word do we have to drop that
1: well we didn't so too late now oops the guster I mean, if it's an it honest an mistake, yeah, he just
0: the FCC is not going to get mad at us, right? That was funny. I don't know.
1: Maybe they will. I don't work for the FCC. I don't know. A lot of college hoops there. LeBron James breaking my heart a little bit. Knicks had their winning streak ended at nine. Yeah. Uh, you heard a lot of the Louisville highlights. Um, and um, the Pro Bowl. It's a, the pro, it's a shame to some degree the Pro Bowl and the NHL All-Star game are the same weekend. But yeah. such is life. And they both have gotten it right. They both took a game that had lost all relevant relevance. And, and the NBA may be getting close. Because the NBA All-Star game sucks now, too. I mean, you know, if you wanted 145 to 140 games, maybe you would have liked it. But now you get those in a regular season. I mean, have they gone over 200? Somebody's going to go over 200 in the All-Star game. And I don't think that's very entertaining. But now
0: they just do the target score of, like, 153, I think. Oh, Is it an Elam ending? They do like they an to, they do,
1: I think they do yeah, an Elam ending, yeah. which is smart because then they don't have to play as long as that. It take maybe four minutes to get 153 points in the All-Star game. Something like that. And it'd be five trips down the floor. Um, so, uh, anyway... Um, it's uh it, but the pro bowl texas said the pro bowl the nfl's finally got the pro bowl right they really have that is so fun to watch them having fun i can't imagine the pro bowl is really fun i mean I, you know when the guys retire from golf they play golf guys retire from basketball they play basketball you know they don't really generally go play tackle football once they get out of day. Uh, so let's go to the park and hit each other. Yeah. I mean, you know, so. What are you going to do after your career, Aaron? Uh, I'm just going to go play in the park with my boys. Yeah. <laughs> just getting just tackled. get <laughs> tackled. Neighbors. I mean, so this, they can have fun. And I really am a big fan of the flag football thing. And the, they all love it. I mean, that's the thing. At first, they're like, I don't. And then I found out, you know, that it was pretty cool. They brought in, like, the pro flag football guys. And they said, these guys really don't. <laughs> didn't understand that a lot of stuff doesn't translate and they and it was pretty cool the receivers love it because you can't you know hit them coming off the line can't put your hands on them so it's this it's designed to make um uh the the passing a part of the game but i was reading that i I i don't completely know all the rules either that uh You know, because they can blitz the quarterback and there's nobody to block for him, he better be able to move. And so, uh, you know, Lamar, uh, you know, would be, uh, oh, I got to take this call. So we got to go to breaks. Got to take this call. Got to take
0: it. All right. Seth Seth Greenberg. I almost said Seth McFarland. Seth Greenberg on the other side. V-Show, ESPN 680, 105.7.